0: Welcome into a special episode of the Irish NFL Show. My guest today, I think it's fair to describe him as a good friend of the Irish NFL Show at this point. Delighted to welcome back
1: Zach Seegers from My Life Sports. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me again, Cole. I'm always a treat to hop on and uh, uh, talk with you on the Irish NFL Show. I, I absolutely love doing this whenever I get the opportunity. Yeah, we
0: we have a uh, quite a quite a bit of news to to discuss obviously, with the announcement within the last. I think we're recording this about probably thirty thirty five minutes after it was announced. Maybe that uh, the Broncos have agreed a deal with the Saints, and Sean Payton will be the next head coach of the Broncos. What is your immediate reaction to that news?
1: Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I can't believe the Broncos got this thing right, I guess. Um, it has nothing to do with the Broncos, though. You know, obviously, they they haven't had the best luck as of late. Um, more so just, it seems so fraught for a disaster. It seems so certain to go horribly when, um, okay, Harbaugh's the number one guy, and he goes back to Michigan, and then Peyton's the number one guy, and you have this weird exchange- between sources that I imagine we can get more into the nitty gritty of later where it seems like, okay, now he's off the table. Things are a little nasty between the two sides. And then Domico's the favorite. And then they're bringing in extra candidates and expect Jonathan Gannon to be the favorite. And then now it's back to Sean Payton, but maybe they groveled for D'Amico. Uh, but then Mike Kliss is saying they didn't grovel for D'Amico. Um, But you've got to consider the source on all of this stuff. It's just, it is wild. I think it's the perfect recipe of, um, you have an ownership group that does not have established sources. Um, they don't have established media guys where you go, oh, um, you know, Mike Kliss, uh, is the go-to, uh, insider for, Coach X or Coach Y or Player Z or Z. I don't know if you guys do Z. Um, uh, but it's just this ownership group doesn't have those established sourcing connections. I think that paired with the fact that I've heard from multiple people that um, everyone seemed to be hearing different things and that ownership was checking for leaks. Just, you know, what comes out, okay, that's the league. Um, they just throw out a bunch of nonsense and see what you hear back again, and, and that's your leaker. Um, I just, sorry, I know I'm rambling. It's just also weird. I just, I don't know how much to say about this situation because, or, or how much I can say about this situation, because who knows what is real with this Broncos head coaching sor- search. Um, perfect example of this. Uh, you had it reported that the second interview with Peyton didn't happen last week because uh, the Walton Penner or Rob Walton was on a hunting trip and then that is strongly denied nope that wasn't the case he wasn't on a hunting trip and then I hear on Monday that yeah Rob Walton actually was out of town last week it's just man everyone has conflicting sources conflicting stories you're pursuing head coaches in Jim Harbaugh and Sean Payton who have media connections galore and are putting out their own stuff um, in this whole process it it's one of the more complex situations i can remember following in the entire NFL let alone the Broncos beat
0: yeah it 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 is really intriguing and obviously as you you say you know there there's all sorts of angles and and different people with different agendas and I think I, I have said it to, to you, and I said it on this show previously. Uh, never take anything that anyone involved in uh, a, a team says uh, at, publicly at face value, because you know they—they they, it comes with an agenda. There might be reasons for it. They might—they might be withholding. They might be misguiding. It might be true at that time, and then things can change. But I think we can come back to that. We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit, but. I'm interested, I suppose, in Sean Payton, you know, the the coach, and in terms of, of what he brings. And I suppose following on from, you know, three uh, the the last three head coaches were, um, you know, rookie head coaches. So this is obviously a very different hire, um, in in terms of what the Broncos are getting. But where do you stand? Because obviously. You know, different people have different takes. You've seen some people who say that Sean Payton has underachieved um, it it, with with the Saints uh, because he only has one Super Bowl ring. Uh, I think maybe Bill Belichick um, and, and Tom Brady kind of broke people's brains would be my opinion in terms of the expectations of people winning rings. I think we do not realize how unprecedented that is that in the history of the Super Bowl, only 13 head coaches have ever won uh, more than um, one ring, uh, And ultimately, Belichick's the only recent one. You go back uh, and, and you know, there are a couple of guys, Tom Coughlin, Mike Shanahan, who've done it a little more recently. But beyond that, you're going way back. But there are some who argue that he, he underachieved given what he had in New Orleans. Um, and then, obviously, there are uh, on the other side, um, you know, I'm thinking uh, Kevin Cole, uh, who has kind of done um, dug into this and feels that the I think his research suggested that um, Sean Payton Saints overachieved in 11 of his 15 seasons there. Where do you stand
1: on this at? I, I stand more on the overachieved side. Um, and you make a great point about the ring thing. Not only has... The Patriots dynasty, and now I think the Mahomes Reed thing, we have going kind of warped people's brains in terms of uh, what the standard should be. Um, but also, Sean Payton was in the era going up against those uh, people, and then also had like insane bad breaks that just were not in his control. Um, the Minneapolis Miracle—that was an awesome Saints team. What do you want Sean Payton to do on that play? Like <laughs> that was in a coaching mistake, really. Um, you want him to be more involved with Dennis Allen's awesome defense? I mean, I guess, but that's kind of weird. Um, what's he supposed to do even more so in that Rams-Saints game where the Saints won that <laughs> and then Rass handed it to the Rams? Um, just, I, I don't know. He, I think he's a very good head coach. Um, maybe he's not the best and i don't mean that in the the conversational way i mean like literally maybe he's not number one or number two or number three but i feel very confident he's in that top seven-ish range um i know around the nfl is huge across the pond i'm a fan of theirs and greg rosenthal in particular and i subscribe to a theory of his that is there's only like 15-ish coaches that matter in the nfl you've got like 7-8-ish on the good end, 7-8-ish on the bad end, and a bunch that are kind of in the middle. And week to week are, you know, they're all replacement level, for, for lack of a better word. Um, and I think the Broncos have consistently been hiring guys who are in that uh, bottom third, Um And the hope, I think, was that you can just hire a stabilizing force, like a Dan Quinn, someone who's maybe in that middle third this cycle, especially with things starting to look as disastrous as they were. And now you wind up with Sean Payton, who I really do think he's an amazing head coach. Um, uh, I, I don't think he's a product of Drew Brees. You look at his winning percentage career without Drew Brees, it's the same as Tom Landry's career winning percentage. So Sean Payton without Drew Brees, Basically, Tom Landry, Uh, obviously a ridiculous oversimplification, but this man is not a bad head coach or a Drew Brees product by any means. And I don't think Drew Brees was a Sean Payton product either. Just like I don't think Bill Belichick was a Tom Brady product. I don't think Tom Brady was a Bill Belichick product. I think Patrick Mahomes wasn't an Andy Reid product, and I don't think Andy Reid is a Mahomes product. Like, sometimes you just have really talented quarterback and coaches that sync up, and as a result, great things happen. Um, uh, and yeah, Sean Payton, I think your point about Kevin Cole, he consistently got the most out of his talent. What I like about him, uh, you seeing him win on offense in different ways, uh, obviously Taysom Hill and Drew Brees couldn't be more polar opposite. Um, and you've also seen him, uh, manage the other side of the ball. Well, um, I don't think he meddles too much, but you've seen him. And I understand there's the Bounty Gate scandal, but he built built up a great defense in New Orleans with Greg Williams, um, Rob Ryan had his moments in New Orleans, or maybe that, that was the bad era, and then he had another elite defense with Dennis Allen. So there are at least two separate eras of at least of elite Saints defense with diffe- different defensive play callers, different um, defensive talents, and that's very promising to me.
0: Yeah, and and I suppose then that kind of obviously look. Uh, we had you on, You and I spoke previously in relation to to Russell Wilson, but I'm interested in in kind of hearing your thoughts on like what what can what do you see this impacting on the Broncos' offense with Russ with Jerry Judy? Do you see you know that the the Broncos might look to bring some guys in in free agency? I, I know we're we're obviously very very early in this and. We heard different rumors again during the kind of um, head coaching cycle that Greg Penner um, was adamant that Russ was fixable and that he was looking for somebody who could who could do that. Um, but have, have you any initial thoughts on what Sean Payton might mean for the the guys on uh, who'll take to the field?
1: Yeah, I think he's the best chance to fix Russell Wilson, and I understand Russell Wilson isn't an... In- that obvious fit, maybe, for what we've seen the Sean Payton offenses of the past be. But Sean Payton shown the ability to adapt, again, from what the offense looked like with Jameis Winston, to what it looked like with Taysom Hill, to what it looked like with Drew Brees, or even better, late-stage Drew Brees to early-stage Drew Brees. And that's what I would really highlight there. He, code now it was a little different because he had Drew Brees for um, their whole run together and had the peaks of Brees and and experienced the slow decline as it was happening. And he's coming in as Wilson has already declined severely, I believe, um, and, and has to fix it up. So it's different. But he has been in that spot before where – and Breeze's limitations were different. But probably a little easier to work around because, oh, our quarterback can't throw it far, but he's awesome in quick game and working underneath. Okay, like that—that's salvageable, as opposed to Russ, where it's incongruent with the style of football that modern defenses are playing. It is uh, Russ's quarterbacking style, um, which is also athleticism dependent, and he's aging. Like it's—it's it's going to be more difficult, but he's been in that spot before, where he's gone. Okay, <clears throat> I have this quarterback that is the—that this team is built around, and he is not what he once was. And I've got to try to make the most of him. Um, I also think what it means for Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson is not secure after the 2023 season. I think Sean Payton will be able to go. And I think he already planted the seeds of this with his, oh, I'm not worried about fix and a uh, smart on his on his part too. Oh, I'm not worried about fixing Russ. I can do that no problem. I'm an offensive savant. Fixing Russ is no problem for me. But working with his personality. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. That's a great scapegoat if we're 12 months from now kind of having the same Russell Wilson conversations. Yeah, you know, I I really think I could have fixed him, but the relationship, it just isn't working out. And then the team moves on from Russell Wilson. Um, and I think that is ultimately the biggest thing the Broncos are getting in this hire, not the ability to move off Russ, so that's part of it. But you are getting a clear direction for the franchise and a clear vision of, um, you, it's a head coach that's not tied to the current regime, which I think is good because with how last year win, with George Payton losing power, with Hackett being one and done, with one of the best exits in the Russell Wilson contract coming up this coming off season, it seems like you might want to move off of Payton and Russ this coming off season. If 2023 is at, I mean, this coming one in 2024. If 2023 is as bad, you might want to move off those figures in 2024. That's going to be difficult if your head coach is directly tied to those two figures, like a Dan Quinn would have been. Because now is Dan Quinn being swept out with those guys? Do you have back to back one and done head coaches under your new ownership? That's a bad look. That's troubling to every. Uh, coaching candidate in the league, both assistant and, you know, all the way up the chain, all the way down the chain. Um, Sean Payton, if this next year is disastrous, it's like, okay, we know our direction moving forward. It's around Payton. You're moving on from Russ. You're moving on from George Payton. It's the Sean Payton Denver Broncos. Now, if this next year goes great and he does fix Russ and the talent, he gets George Payton to maybe bring in, in the draft and free agency, assuming Peyton survives the offseason, works out well, uh, then maybe this regime is saved and stabilized moving forward. Just either way, I think it buys you an offensive, or it buys you an organizational direction. And um, it kind of sounds silly, but I also think that uh, that's huge and shouldn't be underrated. Yeah, and and just
0: to go back briefly on the George Payton stuff because the last time you and I spoke was literally in the immediate aftermath of press conference with uh, Penner and Payton and you were, you copped it immediately in terms of the the shift in in power, in the dynamic, in terms of the way in in which Penner took charge and kind of um, only uh, passed maybe questions that he he wasn't particularly interested in uh, to George Payton. Do you think that, you know, obviously we know the reputation that Sean Payton comes in with and the way in which maybe he worked with, with Mickey Loomis and kind of the control that he wanted to exert and maybe some of the, the things that we heard over the past week in terms of the Broncos not being interested in Sean Payton was that he wanted that level of, of control. Do you think that George Payton will survive this offseason? We talked, I think, the last time a little bit about the Doug Whaley situation uh, with the bills in terms of the East in issue until after the, the draft, that then he had served his function, so they moved on. Could could that be the the situation? Um, and and I know this is just an opinion. Or do you think that they're gonna they're gonna run it back for the twenty twenty three season with George Baden and just see how it plays out?
1: I think they'll give him twenty twenty three. I, I I don't feel confident in that though. Like, I look at how. Um, you Okay, so there's the report that George Payton wouldn't be in second interviews because there were going to be conversations held that um, would be uncomfortable with George in the room. And then second interviews never happened. But the only second interview they ever scheduled was with D'Amico Ryans, at least on the, or not D'Amico, sorry, Sean Payton that we know about. Only second interview they scheduled on the books that we know about was with Sean Payton. Um, and then it didn't work out. It got all jerked around and th- there was that whole chaotic situation. Um but you pair that reporting up with I think um some hard pushback uh against like the Sean Payton stuff here in Denver and everything. And I I get the impression that George Payton and Sean Payton are always going to be a weird fit. But I just wonder, like, maybe you do just tell him to pack it up after the draft. <sighs> I don't know. I think it's really a coin flip. Like, I could I could go on either way. Because I've heard things about, like, I think there's all the public-facing stuff. Like that Cliss report I just mentioned. Like the press conference you just talked about. Where I, I think you can pick up. If you're being objective, I think you can pick up that things aren't what they used to be for George Payton. Um, But I think there's stuff behind the scenes where he's maybe even losing more power than what we know about. I think he might be severely neutered already as a GM, in which case, why are you keeping him around? The only thing I can think of is I, I do believe he is still well thought of in league circles. And so is that a really bad look for ownership to only give him the like a not even a full year on the job from when they took over and fire him for a Russell Wilson trade that personally I think he deserves blame for but there are a lot of people that will tell you hey how how could it's Russell Wilson anyone would have made that trade I mean 31 other teams could have made that trade and didn't make that trade so I'd say would anyone have made that trade but people will say anyone would have made that trade so you can't fault George Payton for it um, and, and then firing him for that maybe it's a bad look on ownership I'm very conflicted I think it's a coin flip that's a boring answer but who knows
0: yeah no it's true I mean I suppose like for me as a Barclays fan I can get over the trade it, it's the contract and it's the people bringing in um, Randy Gregory uh, and, and, and and you know like there were just too many things like look and that this is life this is anyone's job you you take chances sometimes they come off if they're if randy gregory had had stayed fit and and played like he played in the in the opening few weeks it would be very different but that that isn't the case and so that combined with the the rust um contract is what maybe gives me pause but maybe um as we move to towards the end uh, two things just to touch on because you did touch on it at the start but essentially like there's, there's very often a disconnect in any team, right, between local media and maybe national media. But um, in, in terms of the Broncos, you now have probably the two most prominent insiders who have completely different takes on the, the Broncos' process and how they ended up here. And, you know, with, with uh, Rappaport saying they went to Demeco Ryan's, they tried to get this done, and with Schefter almost immediately disputing that, saying that didn't happen. Like, for from from the outside, this looks so so bizarre. And just as somebody who is a little bit closer to it, how how do you how do you end up in, in this situation with such competing narratives at a national level?
1: Yeah, I think it's the perfect storm of the uh, Peyton, I think got the view from Broncos fans early on that. He's not super tight into the media, but he is, he is super tight into the media and Broncos PR is, um, now I'm not experienced in the industry, but <clears throat> something I've always heard from people more experienced with me or more experienced than me that have been with different markets or have covered other teams in this market is that Bronco's PR is unique um, in regards to how uh, involved they are, I'll say. Um, uh, So I think you look at that factor. I think you look at Sean Payton having sources, George Payton having sources, um, and then Russell Wilson having sources in media, and none of those people knowing what ownership is thinking... And all of them, you know, making guesses, as well as everyone else in the organization that has their own sources and whatever, Um, or uh, insiders to give information to, rather. Uh, And then you have an ownership group that I think was generally pretty tight-lipped. I don't think they let much get out of that room. And so I think most of what we saw leaked was from a George Payton, was from a Sean Payton, was from... A Jim Harbaugh. And I think it muddied the waters a lot because it was a lot of people giving their sides of the story. And Schefter and Rapshi are very well sourced. They can get, you know, everyone's opinion on the matter and go with what they think lines up the most. And I think they came to different conclusions. But ultimately, I think no one knows. That's kind of been my takeaway from this whole process. There have been, and I know this is for all NFL fans uh, also across the pond in Ireland. Um, So they might not be as tuned into the Broncos search, but every step of the way, like everything you could think of, there's been conflicting information. This guy's the favorite. No, this guy's the favorite. And they're interviewing this guy. No, they're not. They're bringing this person in for a second interview. Actually, they're not. This is why it didn't work out. No, actually, that's why it didn't work out. No, actually, it's still on the table. And like, I, I just think ultimately... Talk about Schefter and Rapsheet. Okay, now they're on opposite sides of the aisle. You know what they were like kind of aligned in a week and a half ago when the Sean Payton stuff started going south, or all insiders, all reports seemingly were? that The Sean Payton stuff was dead with the Broncos. And look where we're at today, doing our Sean Payton reaction show. So I just think ultimately the only people that knew weren't telling anyone. I think they were pretty tight-lipped and actually when they were telling people one of two things i don't know if ownership was just very tight-lipped or they were putting out a lot of stuff to what i was saying earlier and we're just telling everyone a different story and then oh this story comes out oh i guess george payton's leaking information oh that story comes out Uh uh-oh patrick Smythe, you're in trouble buddy um like i just i think that was kind of what was um happening and why it's been so murky and chaotic and it's like you see the rap sheet and Schefter reports today I think they're interesting but I don't know like I look at Jeff Duncan's report last um week about Rob Walden going on a hunting trip I don't know I kind of think it probably happened and then Sean everyone denied it you know and jumping was like retract that story Jeff I want to get this job and you know it all worked out in the end but like, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Neither would surprise me. I, If I die and go up to the pearly gates, I'll ask him for you. But outside of that, I think it's going to be a lingering mystery forever. And they'll tell us something. These questions will be asked at that introductory press conference. But we've already seen conflicting information up until now. I think it would be so naive to then hear the Broncos tell their side of the story and go, oh, well, that's got to be the end all be all. No, they're it's their best interest to make it look clean and like it all went to plan. They don't want to be like, well yeah, then we really wanted D'Amico and he told us no, while Sean Payton's sitting up there on the dais right next to him. Like I, I just I think we don't know and we'll never know. And that's so frustrating to say as a journalist.
0: Yeah, no, and I think that's exactly the point, right? And not just in relationships with Broncos, but in, in a in a wider point in the NFL a wider point to get just because a story is denied does not mean it, it's not true and, and again there are ways and means of denying things and uh, you can call something ridiculous uh the you know the classic non-denial denial so that would be interesting never yeah it's possible we will never know it's possible maybe in a decade or or two who knows when when the book comes to to be written i think over here we maybe see it a little more in terms of the premier league I'm thinking uh, long ago, uh, Alan Sugar, who was then chairman at Tottenham Hotspurs, uh, publicly on television threw a Jurgen Klinsmann jersey in the bin, um, uh, only uh, for and said he he would never want anything to do um, with Klinsmann again, only to re-sign him just uh, a couple of years later. And Alex Ferguson saying that he wouldn't sell Real Madrid a virus, only to go on to sell Cristiano Ronaldo to them. So this is something that, that frequently happens at uh, this side of the Atlantic. But literally, just before I let you go, obviously, we've seen Frank Reich confirmed with the the, the Panthers, and uh, D'Amico Ryan's now confirmed with the the Texans. Just very briefly, your thoughts on, on those two uh, hirings?
1: Yeah, Frank Reich's a slam dunk. Um, when it was looking like uh, they were going D'Amico, um because again this has been such a topsy-turvy thing Frank Reich was the guy I was like oh please let that be the OC because you want to pair D'Amico up with someone experienced and you look at okay where could the connections possibly be and I think people might make the mistake um when they're looking at what D'Amico's staff in Houston might be I think they'll make the mistake of going okay well who has he been with with San Francisco and just zeroing in on that and that's a That's a massive piece of the puzzle, maybe the biggest piece of the puzzle. But don't forget, this is a guy that was in the NFL for a decade uh, as a player and was viewed as um, a head coach on the team, a very mentally smart guy. Don't you think he had relationships with his linebackers coaches or his D coordinator or maybe even the secondary coach? Maybe at times he asked, um the running backs coach what they thought about something for an upcoming matchup with a really good running back or whatever. Like that stuff happens in an NFL building. I it's not like he was only interacting with players <laughs> or only his one position coach. Um I think that will help him build out a staff. Um but anyways Frank Wright was one of those guys. And so I wanted that pairing to happen. I think Frank Wright's an awesome OC. Uh, wonder about some of the head coaching stuff, but as an offensive play caller He's amazing. Um, I think he's consistently maximized his quarterbacks. Uh, I, The one time I think you could argue that didn't happen was Matt Ryan this year. And I don't know, maybe he was maximizing Matt Ryan. It didn't look like there was a lot left in the tank there. Um, so I don't know. I think he got kind of a raw deal in Indy. I get why maybe that didn't work out and maybe he played some favorites and that uh, was ultimately a problem for him in the end. But Robert Mays, I thought, put it well. Like, guys learn from that stuff. You know, that was his first in in Broncos country. We've been talking about how, well, Dan Quinn learned from his first in as a head coach. Maybe Frank Reich has learned to play favoritism a little less. Uh, Also, ability to build up a staff. Look at uh, how many head coaches have come from that indie staff and future head coaches. You've got uh, Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, um, uh, Jonathan Gannon, and Shane Steichen all on that indie staff. Oh, and Matt Eberflus. That's thats insane. Um, I think my—and Matt, now, to be fair, Matt Eberflus wasn't his hire, but the other three were. So I think he can build out a very strong staff. Um, and those guys were also not the biggest names when he brought them in, which I think shows an eye for coaching talent, which is very valuable. Um, and then D'Amico is just—he's uh, been hyped up as maybe the best hire in this cycle for a reason. There's a reason why half of the insider world thinks the Broncos groveled for D'Amico Ryans over the Super Bowl winner, illustrious Sean Payton with over a decade of head coaching experience when Sean Payton's only been a coach of any kind for seven years. Um, The way Kyle Shanahan talks about him is beyond glowing. Yes, he'd give him a good recommendation publicly and say, oh, yeah, D'Amico would be a great head coach. He doesn't have to be as effusive as he has been. I think that's huge. And forget words. Let's look at actions. Kyle Shanahan understands he's a little Zuckerberg-ish, you know, like maybe a really smart guy that's a little lizardy, for lack of a better word. Um, and I think uh, he knew D'Amico Ryan, like before D'Amico was Robert Sala. He identified someone that could be the culture coach, that culture leader in the building. And maybe that's what you need a Nathaniel Hackett to be. Like, you got a Vic Fangio uh, hard ass as your DC and, uh, uh, you know, goofy Nathaniel Hackett running the offense, making everyone feel good and, and a little less grumpy every day. Like, the, maybe that's the the deal. And now, D'Amico Ryans also, though, I think is a true player's coach. Unlike Nathaniel Hackett, I think through this then what Broncos country has learned is that there's a difference between um, a coach that players like and a player's coach. Those are two very different things. Um, and Nathaniel Hackett was a coach the players liked, but by the end of it, they were all like, this dude is a joke. This is bad. I know there were jokes... Like, I would go into detail to divulge too much, but there were jokes being made about several, several, several members of that uh, offensive staff um, by players on a regular basis, um, not openly to the media, but like through private sports or whatever. Like, it was well known how everyone kind of felt that this was a joke. Um, D'Amico's not going to be that way. He, uh, again, culture coach knows how to lead with both uh, the carrot and the stick, and is then a, a schematic genius. You you hear about the stories again going back to his days as a player where he was like, hey, coach, why don't we adjust the game plan this way um, to, to match up with this really dynamic tight end? And, and that's just something he's done regularly uh, throughout his coaching stint in uh, San Francisco, too. I think you're going to sol- see a solid drop-off from that defense next year without him because he's going to be Uh, such a hard uh, coach to replace. I honestly think that's the biggest question facing the 49ers this offseason. So, so far, I think all three organizations have hit near home runs. The Broncos one, weirdly, might be the one I like the least just because of the messiness of it all. Just with, I, I don't know if the Broncos really like Sean Pate. There's a lot of reporting that they... Weren't the biggest Sean Payton fans, and the D'Amico Ryan's groveling story kind of supports that. Uh, and there's a lot of reporting to the contrary of that. So, and the trade, of course, speaks to them thinking highly of Sean Payton, but it just feels very weird. Um, and I don't have those concerns with uh, D'Amico Ryan's or Frank Reich. But so far, I think all three franchises have done amazing jobs, and uh, the Colts and Cardinals find themselves in a tough spot now. Yeah, it will be
0: interesting to see what plays out there. Just because you mentioned his name, though, um, and because I think the, you never know, right, when you're hiring a head coach exactly how it's going to work out. I mean, we probably have more of an idea, obviously, with Sean Payton, given the, the, the back catalogue, which is generally tells you how somebody's But obviously, transferring from coordinator. Um, you never really know why. My gut tells me Ryan's will be very good. But I, I am always reminded like of Nick Sirianni and and when he came in and obviously the opening press conference and you know things got off to a rough start but how you know how good of a CEO he is and his willingness to delegate where he needed to delegate but his ability to make tough decisions and also just because I will never tire of it have you ever seen a coach so suited to the city that they are coaching in, as Nick Sirianni is uh to, to Philadelphia. I think he is a, he is a perfect fit uh for that city. And um I I can only hope that uh that the Broncos have uh the, the level of success um that the Eagles have because uh you know I, I don't know, I assume you saw that tweet during the week as well about since the last time. Um, the the Broncos won a Super Bowl. Uh, the Eagles have have won one, um, moved on from I a, a, a suppose the franchise QB sacked the coach, got a new coach, changed QB, and are, are back in the Super Bowl. We shall see for for the Broncos what uh, what what where where it goes. It will be intriguing to see how what Peyton puts together as a staff and so on. But Zach, uh, you have been so generous with your time. If if people want to check out your stuff, where can they go and do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you are all about the NFL and and that's your only cup of D, um, go over to the Let's Talk Broncos podcast on um, YouTube uh, or wherever you find podcasts. You um, uh, can also find us on Twitter or Facebook as well um, if you want the video version. Um, uh, really love doing that show three times a week now in the offseason uh, with me and uh, Joey Richards and Bree Mastis, who has been on here. Uh, in, the, in the past, um, talk Broncos. We're going to be on later tonight to di- dissect this whole situation some more. Um, really proud of uh, the work we do. I think it's a really good Broncos podcast. Uh, I would uh, implore everyone to go check it out. Um, and then if you're just a sports fan, um, I don't know how much crossover there will be in Ireland, but hey, why not? Uh, I'm now leading the CU beat for Mile High Sports. Um, diving in with uh, Deion Sanders and Coach Prime and um, that situation, which I think is um, obviously I'm biased here, but I I think it's set to be the biggest story in college football, frankly, college sports in America, um, over the next year, two, maybe three. Um, so if uh, college sports interests you at all, um, college football interests you at all, uh, go over, follow me there. I'll even have some women's soccer. That's right. Soccer. Um, uh, (laughs) For all of you uh, to enjoy. And so uh, please go follow me over there at my and all my work, little Broncos tidbits, bus tidbits, all of it at Zach underscore Seegers on Twitter. Would absolutely recommend
0: Zach stuff. He not only is he fantastic podcaster and broadcaster, but he is a master of the written word as well. And Zach, if we had been doing this three months ago, and you talked about CU and the buffs, I don't think I think very few people in Ireland would be aware of them. But Dion Sanders has changed all of that. No longer will we maybe see these videos of this giant kind of twelve hundred pound creature uh, running onto a field and going, "My God, that's nuts!" Where, where is that? That's in Colorado, and not think any more about it. Now everybody is aware of coach prime and what he's doing. And we'll be interested to, to see how that goes this year.
1: Absolutely. And here, here here'll be my last pitch. If you are a draft fan, you're, you're an NFL fan listening to this show. If you're a draft fan, there's going to be, and it's the fun positions too. Uh, It's not offensive lineman. Now that might make the CU football team a little, not great, but a quarterback is going to be a draft prospect next year. Um, the quarterback slash wide receiver. Yep, he's a two-way player in the modern day. Uh, he, he's earned that, right? Um, he'll probably be a top ten pick in two years. Um, they just landed a kid who's probably going to be another top ten pick at corner in three years. Um, that bus field. There's a tight end that's going to be a great sleeper pick. I'll put him on all your radar now. Seu Tra- Traore. He's actually from the UK. Um, It will be a cool international pathways program. Uh, Started at Arkansas State. I'm really excited for what he does at CU. Will also be a draft uh, prospect for 2024. Uh, So if you want the super inside scoop, get ahead on all those guys and know more about them than even Mel Kuyper or Todd McShay know, Um, go over, follow my CU coverage. I'm going to have you very well posted.
0: Fantastic. Zach Seegers, as always, uh, this has been a pleasure to, to chat to you. And I appreciate you taking the time. And yeah, I look forward to, to chatting to you again in the not too distant future.
1: Thank you very much, Colm. thank you just so much for having me on. Appreciate it. And talk soon.